0: How do you feel about the year 2021? What were the key moments for you as you look back? Was it one of the many major global events that we saw on the news? Or was it something personal, either positive or negative, that first comes to mind when you think about 2021? Every year, we seem to spend most of December looking back and reflecting. The very fact that we do so says a lot about our need for hope. Welcome to Signs of the Times Radio. Welcome back to Signs of the Times Radio. It's been a big year of Signs of the Times Radio podcasts. and The end is not yet here, but we might as well talk about the fact that it almost is. We're in December now. I mean, you might be hearing this on replay, and it's, it may even be 2022, in which case you can listen to this with a glorious amount of hindsight. But given that it is approaching the end of the year, I thought, why not get the editor of Signs of the Times magazine, Jared Stackelroth. How you doing, Jared? Good, Dan. Thanks for having me on today. It's great to join you for this. Now, Jared, it's been a pretty interesting year. I mean, it's really been an interesting two years. When a lot of people step back and look at this year, they kind of, well, I don't know, maybe it's just me doing this. I kind of lump it in with 2020. It just seems like a bit of an extension of 2020. Is that the way it is for you? Are you looking at back at 2021 as an extension of last year or does it feel like a separate Set of dates there for you? That's a good question. (laughs) I saw something on the internet that said
1: something like, This is the longest 10 years I've, I've ever lived, which was the last two years sort of thing. This is so far this decade, you know. I think for me, the year sort of melded into one with last year, but in some ways it went a lot quicker. And in some ways, you know, some of the freedoms that we started to experience at the beginning of the year and then lockdown here in New South Wales at least happened again. That felt like a s- almost separate thing.
0: Yeah, I heard from some people that they were better equipped for lockdown than last time around because we had a pretty long lockdown in 2020. Some people found it to be harder. Some people found it to be easier. I found it easier this time around just because I was better equipped from the experience last time, but hmm. that just ends up, whatever personality you have and various other factors. But last year was for sure a a difficult year. I think most people will agree with that. To what extent they will agree with that is a topic of debate because I was hanging out with my fiancé in the middle of Sydney, right? I think it was in Surrey Hills. We went to visit Mm -hmm. the Sydney Jewish Museum Mm -hmm. and... Before we went to the Sydney Jewish Museum, we went to this random-ass library in Surrey Hills for some random reason. And so, we were just moping around this library. And I I noticed this Time magazine just sitting there on the rack. Now, I love Time magazine. I used to be a subscriber of Time magazine, kind of figures that I ended up working for Signs of the Times. (laughs) But yeah, my dad was a pastor. He used to always use Time Magazine as an example in his sermon. So we kind of go back with Time Magazine. So I saw a Time Magazine there and that piqued my interest. And the cover was even more interesting because it was the, I think, December 14 cover. And on the front cover of of the Time Magazine, it said, At 2020, the worst year ever. And wow. that was, I think that was written, obviously, very ironically, because As people who have not lived through the Second World War or the Spanish flu or various other calamities around the world, 2020 could certainly have felt like the worst year ever. So uh, I didn't actually read the article. I just kind of skimmed through it in the little time that I had. But that seems to be the way that a lot of people viewed 2020 last year. Hey, just Not even because of the pandemic, but because of all the other political turmoil that was happening. There was bushfires there was that massive explosion in Beirut. Last year was viewed very negatively, wasn't it? Like there was even a documentary on Netflix, like, well, it's kind of a mockumentary, which was about 2020, how it was one of the worst years ever. Was that what last year was like for you? Like, do you feel a a certain amount of negativity towards 2020? I mean, it's a big call to be (laughs) the worst year ever. That's
1: huge. (laughs) I guess it's been... A little bit inverted for me, for for myself, my wife and I had our first child in 2020. So, we fell pregnant. And just before the lockdowns happened, just in March, we had our beautiful baby girl. And so, we were kind of in this protective bubble for the whole first lockdown as the world sort of uh, went a little bit crazy. We were really focused on other things. When you become a first-time parent, it's a 24-7 sort of learning curve. You you really head down, figuring out how to keep the child fed, clean, sleeping well, all of that stuff, just trying to get sleep while you can. And so, I guess for us, it was almost, we were protected from a lot of the turmoil and stuff in the world. Yes, it was concerning. Yes, probably the hardest thing was not seeing family you always think that at these major life milestones you'll have your family and friends around you and we sort of didn't but at the same time we could focus on our family and and just experiencing that and so working from home seemed to be okay you know we were in the privileged position where we could actually be online be on our laptops or on our setups at home our computers at home and just it, it seemed to be Yes, it was a bit inconvenient, but it was just life just continuing. Compare that to this year for us, it's been a lot harder having a toddler locked down at home who's not allowed to go outside and, and is trying to explore the world and, and wants to get out and play all the time. And yet it's raining or it's, you know, we can't go out or, or we can't get some of the family support to do some of the babysitting while where at work my wife's tried to go back into work part-time work and yet yeah there's been some some lack of support family support so for us at least and i know there were a lot of issues last year but this year's felt a lot tougher
0: than last year that's a great point that you're raising there because whilst we have all the events happening all around the world that we can use to define 2020 or 2021. And we'll go into that. Ultimately, everybody views the last year that has been through the, the scope of their own experiences. So a pretty interesting point that you raised there. But there was a lot of stuff that happened this year. Now, I, I wrote an article just having a reflection on 2021 and just comparing it to 2020 a little bit. And I was reflecting on the optimism that. We had coming into this year because a lot of people viewed last year so negatively. So for example, the COVID-19 pandemic was obviously going on and it was, it was pretty bad in Australia where we're in and out of lockdowns, depending on where you are in the country. But there was hope because there was information and news about vaccines being promised for the population and a lot of places were also looking forward to recovery. Now, The question is, has 2020 then lived up to those promises of hope or has this year been as bad as last year or is it different? Jared, obviously, you just mentioned your personal experiences there, that snapshot of 2021 for you personally, but just looking at world events, when you look back at this year, what would you describe as your three most memorable things that happened this year that really defined this year for you? Good question. I think,
1: I mean, as we've touched on already, the whole COVID pandemic, it was a little bit novel last year, for some of us, at least. There was a lot of pain, a lot of death. I don't want to minimize that. But in some ways, it was like, wow, this is and to overuse the word that everybody was using last year, it was unprecedented in our lifetimes, at least. Everyone was talking about this unprecedented events that we were experiencing. And and so it really has been a defining thing. In Australia, there was sort of the first wave and there were things happening last year and we started to open up and things got a little bit back to normal. And then we got hit again this year in a in a fairly significant way. And I think for me, That really defines everything else that's happened this year. That second lockdown, at least in New South Wales. Well, it wasn't the second one officially, but the second sort of long-term lockdown. I remember last, around Christmas, there was a Bondi cluster and it it was sort of a shorter thing and it was only affecting a certain sort of area. But basically, the whole state or almost the whole country this year has been locked down again uh, for those months. And Yeah, it's been tough. And added to that, I guess, what we didn't have as much last year was some of the the arguments about vaccines. And people were upset last year about freedoms being eroded and that sort of thing. They were talking a lot about some of those issues in politics and in all different spheres. But this year, it's really polarized, I think, our communities, our societies, you know, friends, families, church members that I, I'm in touch with. There's a lot of disagreement. There's people writing letters and emails that are very upset about either vaccines or not taking the vaccines for whatever reason. It's just there's an edge to the the, the debate. I think people are over it. And and so this year has been really tough in in a sense to to know where, where people stand. There's that anxiety about getting back into real life. I, I, I don't know how you feel, <laughs> but I know we chatted actually earlier about, I guess, things like going back to the gym, you know, things that are positive or habits that we've enjoyed in the past. It's just hard to make that first step to get back into the habit. And so, whether it's going back to work, going back to church, in person instead of working from home or watching from home some of those things are challenges that people have had to to work through because there might be some anxiety around going back in there you're you're out of t- practice you have to go to your wardrobe and go what clothes fit me what clothes do I need <laughs> I haven't been shopping for a while you know yeah, things things are different now and so getting back into real life or back into a more normal routine it's quite a challenge mentally and physically to get your head around all some of those some of those things. So I think yeah, I think that's one of the the biggest things that stands out to me from 2021. It it was sort of the same as 2020, but it, in in many ways it was very
0: different. Yeah society seems to be more divided than ever before now regardless of where you the listener stands on some of these issues i think we can all agree that this is not an ideal situation at all i don't think anybody would want to be in this situation where we are so divided on certain issues like it's good to take a stand on the things that you believe in but at the same time there is a lot of toxic uh, debate i think most people can agree on that for me, looking back at the year, while this, the year started off with this sense of optimism, it was almost shattered in a way and it comes back to this idea of division. It was only on 6th of January that the Capitol building in the United States was attacked and it, it's classified as a, a domestic terror incident. People died as well. It was just shocking seeing footage of people breaking into the Capitol, this, what would have once been... Viewed in America as this stronghold of freedom and stuff was, was breached. Mm. Um, Now that didn't really affect us, let's say here in, in Australia and New Zealand so much, unless you're a United States citizen looking back how things are at home, but it definitely the cultural conversation stemmed all over the globe. And I think we saw that as a theme throughout the year. There's other events that happened. I guess there was the, the Israel Palestine conflict. You know, my mates and I were driving to Adelaide while this thing was unfolding. And at that time, my mate was just scrolling on his phone and he's like, this is going to be the next big global conflict now. There's no way this is going to de-escalate. Luckily, it was able to de-escalate, but the the tension and the the conflict is still there. The problem isn't solved. I think about things like there was an earthquake in Haiti in August, 2,100 people Mm. died There's also things that we forget even happened this year. Like, for example, the Evergreen container ship blocked the Suez Canal, got wedged, and halted a lot of global traffic as far as shipping and stuff in the Northern Hemisphere. And that apparently had a massive economic impact.
1: Well, I think we're still
0: feeling some of the, the supply chain effects, and perhaps not
1: directly related to that ship, but there's still issues... For example, getting our magazines into New Zealand, some delays in freight. We're just experiencing it even in, in what we do. So that's different. You know, we've come to rely on and expect the post to arrive in a couple of days or, or the same week that we send something or do something. But because so many people are ordering online, shopping online now, because so many Borders have been shut and, and freight lines have been changed. Planes aren't flying as, as regularly anymore. There's just been some significant flow and effects that we don't always tie to to what else is happening, the pandemic or, yeah, that ship that clogged up the canal. That, that
0: was a huge thing for the whole world. Yeah. I think the key theme there is how fragile things can be or how we can take certain things for granted, and then all of a sudden things can change. Like the big one towards the end of the year, again, which happened in, I think it was around August, where the Taliban in Afghanistan and took over Kabul, Mm. and a lot of people were comparing that to the United States withdrawing from Vietnam. And after long, many years of conflict, what was the result of that? Was there any positive outcome because the so-called bad guys came in and and are looking to now restore things to the way they were before any change was even sought to be brought about. Absolutely crazy situation over there. And it's still ongoing again, which I guess is a sense of there's, there's feelings of dread and anxiety as we watch our brothers and sisters over in Afghanistan suffering. That event brings to mind like just watching it.
1: It was a shock how quickly the situation changed and how, you know, something that we never would have expected would happen. You know, I remember the Twin Towers coming down. That was an event that shaped the world. That was a a significant event, September 11. And we've we just hit 20 years from that event. And since then, Afghanistan has been, in some ways, the center of conflict and, and a center of this working out still some of the issues that that came up at that time and to see it just revert back to almost the way it was before to see some of the the heartbreak on people's faces the lines at the airport people trying to trying to leave that event was a real pivotal one i think this year that that stood out to me just because of it was heartbreaking to watch it unfold you know people trying so desperately to get out because
0: they were afraid uh, of what was coming. That's a really very apt thing you just said, because it was the 10th anniversary of 9-11. It was around that time that Barack Obama announced that they had taken out Osama bin Laden, who was largely held responsible for the 9-11 attacks. So, the mood around the 10th anniversary was almost victorious Whereas this Mm. time around for the 20th anniversary, it was a lot more somber. Yeah, pretty interesting parallels there. There were some good things. I mean, we're really sounding pretty negative right now. But there were good things that happened this year too. Uh, Oh, for sure.
1: For me, the Olympics were a really... Positive event. I know there was controversy around whether they should go ahead or not. I know that people were worried that they would stir things up and it's one of those events that got delayed. It was supposed to happen in 2020 and it didn't and it got pushed back. But from working from home, we were locked down at that, at that time and we had the Olympics on a lot of the time in the background. And just really enjoyed, I guess, some of the stories of overcoming the odds, seeing people who had come back from cancer to become Olympians or seeing people who there are a couple of Australian athletes that really stood out for wearing their their faith out in the open. They were really open about how God had helped them to get to that, that point. And you did a great interview with Nicola McDermott on Science Radio. And also we we are putting her in an issue of Science the, the January, February issue next year. And her story is inspirational as well. And so seeing some of the the underdog stories, the overcoming the odds, watching sports that we all become experts in that we never <laughs> we never watch between times, but every four years we all of a sudden love to watch and, and love to to comment on and talk about with others. I think for me, the Olympics showed the positive things that the world can be coming together from different nations and being in one purpose, having a, a common goal. Even though there's competition there, there's sort of a sense of camaraderie. You see athletes who are competing Completely at odds trying to, to win these medals. And yet at the same time, if one falls or if one has an issue, they get around each other and they encourage one another. And, and there's a sense of camaraderie there. So for me, the Olympics, it was a bright spot in what, you know, as we've discussed, there were a lot of dark points in the year, but the Olympics just brought people together and it gave us some. I'm not afraid to admit it was a little bit of escapism for us in our household. We were, we were just looking forward to some positive, um, news and being able to cheer on the Aussies, cheer on the New Zealanders. My wife's from New Zealand. And so we were also happy to see them win a medal or or overcome the odds being a fairly small country on the world stage, competing against these countries with millions and millions of people and little old New Zealand and Australia getting up there and and representing and, and doing us proud. So yeah, for me, the Olympics was a really significant part, an optimistic and hopeful part of 2021. Yeah,
0: that's, again, really exemplifies how we take stock and look back. We relate it to our own personal experience. The Olympics became part of our personal experience for a lot of people around the country, in Australia and New Zealand, because a lot of us were stuck at home and hadn't our television sets on. And that was our, like you said, main form of escapism. I think when I look back at this year, those global events that we just listed, they're definitely in the back of my mind. They're something that I'll think about of 2022 down the track. But again, the personal experience is what what you remember. And for me, I proposed to my girlfriend in March. Again, during another dramatic event, there was the massive New South Wales floods. Right in the middle of that, we headed up to the Blue Mountain and I whipped out the ring and put it on her finger. And that's, that's sort of a, a happy moment. And then there's Definitely. all the lockdowns that prevented us from getting married. So I'm not sure with what attitude I'll look back at 2020. Will it be the happiness of the engagement or the frustration with our wedding plans being changed around constantly? You just alluded to what 2021 meant for you personally. Apart from raising your toddler, is there anything else that you feel about this year or you think that you will feel about this year when you look back at it in, say, five years' time? Yeah, it's interesting you
1: know, we talked earlier about September 11 and I think that event sticks in people's mind and and that date and you remember what you were doing at the time. But a lot of these other events, like you mentioned the capital attack and, and some of those things, we know that they happen, but we sort of forget in terms of, they don't make us feel depending on the event and it doesn't as much stick with us. So the fires, terrible, tragic events. But if we weren't directly... Related, we sort of, was it 2020? Was it 2021? In five or six Mm. years' time, I don't even know if we'll necessarily tie the date with the event. We'll know that the Beirut thing happened or or the um, conflict, but unless we're like tied to the date in some way or have some way of remembering that or have a photographic memory where we remember what happened each and every day, we may actually uncouple, I guess, the date. Which it, it's human nature to just put yourself in the center of the world's story, the universe's story. And so I think what we'll retain is how we felt, what we learned and how we grew through the year. And so I think for myself as a parent, um, seeing some of the milestones that my daughter's going through, that will be something that stands out to me. I think some of the struggles that I've had in terms of this year, in terms of Stress. We've had some colleagues who have moved on to other opportunities at work. And so we've been a bit understaffed this year. You feel it by the end of the year. I'm feeling it. And I think this year, I don't think I'll look back with it as a, I may look back at it positively, but not necessarily triumphantly. Does that make sense? I may look back at it as a year of overcoming. I really like some. 23, and the the idea of walking through the valley of the shadow of death, when God says he'll be there, he'll lead us through that experience. And 2021 may well be, for some people, a sort of dark valley, a, a valley of the shadow of death experience. But I was reminded by someone recently that sometimes the trials that we have, they do Go on. We do have to continue that journey. We keep having to climb the mountain or, or, or walk through the valley after the exact event or the exact point that created those conditions in our lives. But it's still part of that in our working through it. And and for me, I think I'll look back on these couple of years and hopefully I'll be in a a better place, a less stressful. Better mental place and I can look back and go because of the work I did in 2020, 2021, because of the, the overcoming that I did, because of the trying to survive and because of the, the things that it taught me and the things that I, the ways that it changed me. I'm a better man now than I was before that experience. I've grown. I've developed. I've persevered sticking with it is something that I think I'll take away from this year at like, hopefully five or 10 years down the track, I can look back and say, hey, that was rough. Remember that time? (laughs) Remember that time we were all locked down and we had all this stuff going on and that was tough, but we're still here. We're stronger. We've learned some things. For me, that's that's how I, I look at it right now. It could be completely different down the track. And Things could get better and go back to more more like normal. Things could get worse or, or go, you know, we, we talked earlier about how quickly things can change in the world. Without the gift of prophecy, without being God, we don't know what the world will look like in in five years down the track. But it's how we deal with the situation that we find ourselves in that really molds and shapes our character. And I think and I hope that looking back, I can say, well, That was tough,
0: but here's what I learned from it. Here's how I got through it. Here's how I survived it. You're absolutely right. And the very fact that we're having this discussion, which is the core theme we're we're trying to bring about here is reflection, reflecting on the year that has been, is something that's worth studying because the end of a new year just means that there's another lap around the sun. That's all that it means. And yet, as humans... As a society, we place such value on coming to the end of the year and the next year being a new chapter, talking about things like New Year's resolutions. Obviously on New Year's Eve, there's a lot of partying, a lot of thinking about how the year has, has been a lot of, you know, Instagram posts about what the year was like for me. Now I'm curious as to why we do this is this something that's an important part of human nature that we miss out on throughout the year and we just sort of save it up for the end of the year? And do we need to sort of have things in these timeline boxes, like from January 1 to December 31, and then looking back at years in the past saying, oh, you know, 2005 was a year that sucked because we put it into that little box. Do we need to have things in these boxes? And the very act of reflection And the fact that we can do that now as the year is coming to an end, is this an important part of human nature that we often miss out on, do you think?
1: Look, I think studies have shown that
0: we need stuff to look forward to. I think one thing that
1: the pandemic has shown us is that, you know, we've had to cancel plans. You mentioned your wedding plans and how they've been postponed or shifted a number of times. That's hard. That's no good because – we usually have little events that we look forward to that get us through the week. Oh, I can't wait for the weekend. You know, I'm going to see friends or, or do such and such. Uh, I can't wait for my birthday. I'm going to get together and we're going to have a, a nice meal. And yeah, that's going to be great. And so, we, we set ourselves these little goals. And I think it helps us to have something to look forward to. And I think one of the difficult things that was probably an unexpected effect was that because so many plans were being cancelled, you couldn't organize a trip or a holiday visit to see family members interstate or overseas. A lot of those things that we look forward to got taken away. And so, we lived in this, instead of in a state of anticipation, we lived in a state of anxiety, like just getting through the day. I think another reason we take such great stock, and this is a personal sort of opinion, but I think we take such great stock of the year and and that that switching over, maybe more than before, especially in this hemisphere, we get our summer holidays, we get a bit of a break. So, a lot of people at least get some days off between Christmas and New Year's, even if they don't take time off. There's a more sense of festivity in the air, there's a holiday atmosphere, people are more likely to see family and friends. If you're not, Taking time off, someone might come visit you because they've come into state to see you. That sort of thing. I think we're so busy in today's society that we go, go, go. And I wrote in one of my editorials towards the end of the year about this concept of limping to the finish. I think we we're so busy and we're so we fill up our calendars. We've forgotten how to be bored. We've forgotten how to just sit and and be we fill our time with Netflix or Facebook or social media, you know. And I think we run out of steam. I actually Mm. think we need to be refueled. You know, a car can't run on an empty tank. And I think for many of us, we get to the end of the year and we need to reset because we need something to feel like we've done something we've achieved something and we're starting something new we need some period of time to have a break because we've run ourselves so empty throughout the year <laughs> maybe this is just my year talking or how i'm feeling right now but i'm just like i need to get to that point where i can call it my summer holidays and just i need to this year shut off my email be out of contact just turn everything off and just actually have a break. You know, often your temptation is to check your emails while you're away or to keep tabs just in case something happens to figure it out. This year I've decided, nah, whatever happens can happen. The world can burn down and I'm, I'm not checking my emails. <laughs> I'm done. I need a reset button. And I think for many of us, that reflection at the end of the year and that looking forward and setting resolutions and setting goals for ourselves, it's really a reset button that we need to, I guess, give us something fresh, refresh us, uh, fill us mm. back up. Because we've run right down to the last fumes of our, our tanks. They're empty.
0: Yeah, you're, you're absolutely spot on. A very key theme in all of this is restoration, you know. Like we talked about, we actually had a podcast with a psychologist called Claire Marsh in late November, which people can listen to on our website if they want to go and and check that out on times.org.au. But uh, Claire Marsh was talking about how burnout is increasing. It's increasing and the stats say that in COVID-19 times, 52% of working Americans were or are on the path to burnout. Wow! And the act of wanting to be restored, something to, to reset on in many ways, because, you know, burnout is something that we all want to overcome if we're going through that. Mm. Now, for me, Jared, like, I'm very fortunate in that I've discovered in the Bible this ancient wisdom about rather than waiting till the end of the year to to find some sort of restoration and reflection and and think back and take stock on the year, that I'm able to do that every seven days. The Bible talks about it's sort of in line with creation. If you believe in creation, God created everything in six days and on day seven, he rested. And mm. so a lot of people out there actually do that on their seventh day, which is a Saturday. They relax, spend time with God, spend time with family, reflect back on the week. And it's, it's really helpful in this time period where every day bleeds into the next one? How do you differentiate your days when you're stuck at home all the time in lockdown? And hopefully, all the lockdowns are behind us, but with new variants of the virus, you know, you never know. So, (laughs) hopefully Hmm. not, but it's helpful in that sense. But the fact that we yearn for this restoration, and whether or not we wait for it to happen at the year's end, or we, you know, we decide that we're going to take action and restore ourselves in the new year with our new year's resolutions or our new goals in mind. Is this the right way to go about this? Can we restore ourselves by ourselves? Is it something that we need to take full responsibility of or is it something that we can get help with? For sure. I think a little help goes a long way. For myself, you know, that Sabbath
1: concept that you're talking about, that rest each week is an important reset to my week. You know, it's a time where I mentioned shutting off emails and not thinking about work for the Christmas, New Year break, but I I don't think about work from, you know, Friday sunset to Almost Sunday morning it's supposed to be um, Saturday night. I could think about work then, but i I just don't because i I find myself in this relaxed state of mind where i'm I'm just guilt free not thinking about the things that fill my whole time during the week, and it's a time for family and friends and and resetting so I think that as you mentioned that's a really valuable point to take away. We don't have to wait till the end of the year to find some of that peace and some of that restoration if we practice some form of weekly Sabbath, some form of time with family and friends, time reflecting, time with God each and every week. We can have that opportunity, and that's that's amazing. But Jesus also refers to how he can provide rest. He says, you know, come if your burdens are heavy. If life is weighing you down, come to me if you're weary, and I will give you rest. And 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 I think that's where the help comes in. I need God to help me find that peace. How does that work? Well, for me, at least, I know that he's in control and I know that he cares. In in my understanding, in my belief system, God is beyond time and space. He's not impacted by lockdowns. He's not (laughs) tied to some of the the tragedy and some of the the pain that this world has, and yet he cares deeply about it. And so, he's invested in my good. And he proved that by Jesus coming to the world and showing us not only a better way to live, but overcoming death and and destruction and darkness and, and being more powerful and those forces, showing that there is a power stronger than death and that there is hope on the other side of the grave. Jesus did that. He demonstrated that for me. And so, I find that hope there and I need God. I need that comfort in my life. But Dan, I don't think that that's enough necessarily sometimes. It's certainly Mm -hmm. enough to meet all our needs, but yeah, we need help. We need family and friends and a good support network. I've been reminded of that by not seeing family and not seeing friends and not ha- having that help with our daughter. They say it takes a village to raise a child, but it's just been the two of us. And it's been hard in those times without family and friends to support us in that way. So, you know, we need our support networks to to help us navigate the challenges of life. And Dan, there's nothing wrong, and I'm going to say it here because it needs to be on the record, there's nothing wrong with seeking professional help, counselling or psychologist or whatever, a pastor or a, someone who is a chaplain, someone who can can help you with a little bit more experience in life, a little bit more professionalism. They've got training that can help you navigate some of these things because it's very easy to fall into our own... Patterns of thinking and to be stuck in some of these cycles. And, you know, for me, it was a huge step. I've, for the first time this year, had to see a psychologist, a, a counselor for just a bunch of stuff that's been going on in my own life and my own mind. And that's that's important. I'm already seeing, I've only had two sessions, but I've already started to see it's helped me reframe things for myself and it's helped me. Start to answer the questions that I couldn't find answers to in and of myself. We try and be heroes. We try and figure this life out for ourselves, but there's no weakness in actually reaching out for help, whether it's to our support networks, whether it's to professionals, or whether it's to God. And I would suggest a combination of all of those things, or perhaps, you know, you may not need a professional, but Certainly, we need our support, our loved ones, and we need God in our lives to to help us to to navigate some of this stuff. Because, yeah, it's been a rough couple of years, but there is, there is support for that. There is hope and, and there is encouragement to be found. Sometimes we can't just be happy and smile and, and bring it to ourselves. Sometimes we need someone else to help us find that.
0: That is a super point there, Jared. It's not as simple as a person has to take full responsibility and and help themselves. It's not as simple as God takes full responsibility to fix a person. It's not as simple as all the effort should be on an external person like a a psychologist or a counselor. Like Depending on a situation, it could be a combination of all three of them. And it's just not as simple as as just one of those things. So uh, I really do appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing your story then and i'm sure that a lot of people will also relate to that the statistics Mm. say that half of people are burnt out you know we look at things phenomenons that we're actually going to explore in future articles that are sort of just coming up now like the great resignation a lot of people around the world you know 26 percent of australians apparently are considering quitting their job because they want to put a stop to a certain thing and, and have a sense of refreshment as far as a new career goes. Mm. And again, a lot of people you know, are seeking meaning, Daniel. They're looking for purpose and, and something
1: different because just the same old patterns of
0: existence aren't cutting it anymore. Yeah. To quote Claire, well, not really to quote her, but to paraphrase her in the podcast that we talked about, sometimes we can make those decisions too hastily to just – put a finish to something and then move on without establishing the right mental patterns. And in some ways, it just comes back to to bite us later on. So, again, I just want to refer people back to that podcast. If you are feeling burnt out, then for sure, check it out. Even if you're feeling not burnt out by work, but just by life, you know. Mm -hmm. This year has had so many political things, so many natural disasters, various world events that have just conflicts, that have just made everything feel so unstable i think a lot of us are afraid we're not sure where things are headed that's why like what you alluded to with with the vaccination a lot of it is is fear fear of the unknown fear of well what will happen with this vaccine will it help me or will it harm me what will happen with the way that the government is rolling this vaccine out. Is, is that setting a precedent for the way we're going to be treated in the future? It's that fear of the unknown that a lot of people have. And I guess that fear of the unknown, whilst we personally have the promise of restoration, the Bible goes beyond that and also talks about a restoration for the earth in general. Now, From your understanding, Jared, what is it that we can actually look forward to there? Is there going to be an end point to all the chaos and suffering that we see around us? Is there something we can look forward to as far as the history of the world goes that will be the end of all the bad stuff that's going on? Yeah, it's clear that things aren't necessarily
1: getting better. It's hard to say things are getting worse because we haven't obviously lived other lives and and seen things like you alluded to World War II earlier. But the Bible certainly promises, and I believe, that Jesus is coming back soon. And a lot of people have a misconception about heaven, the word heaven, and what, I guess, that restoration, that form of that restoration looks like. They believe that it's this otherworldly sort of Disembodied place, you know, floating around, playing harps, sitting on clouds. That's their sort of conception of heaven. But the Bible is very clear that while things are happening on earth to destroy the earth, while, you know, human tendency is towards violence and greed and corruption, when Jesus comes back, he's actually coming back with the goal to restore the earth. So it will actually be this world made new made fresh. The Bible uses imagery such as kids being able to, to play with dangerous animals or, or a lion and a lamb lying down together rather than seeing each other as prey or food. They see each other as, as friend in, in that sense. And, you know, while the story arc of the Bible starts in a garden that God sets aside and, and gives to this couple to, minister to, to manage. The end of the Bible story ends in a city, this image of a city where all the nations are gathered. It says there's the tree of life there and the leaves are for the healing of the nations. So, this concept of finding healing, finding restoration, finding hope and encouragement after the death and destruction and pain that we've experienced in this lifetime. That's the Bible's concept of heaven, I suppose, or, or life after death. The, this idea that the world that we live on now that we love, it will be remade. It will be made new. And much like the world is given a renovation or a spruce up, our bodies, our own lives, our ourselves will be remade. But I I like to think of it as an enhanced version, you know it says no more pain, no more sickness, no more tears. Some of those things we won't have to live with or experience anymore. That's a very beautiful picture. It's a hopeful picture. For some reason, a lot of people spend a lot of time talking about the afterlife or heaven, heaven and the Bible doesn't say a whole lot about it, but it does give us this picture that whatever it is, it will be uh, like what we've known here, but even better, it will be this world, but the enhanced and more beautiful version of it. and that's
0: something f- for me to really look forward to. That sounds like a, a sweet deal there, Jared. It really does. Mm. But the question is then, how can we be a part of it? Is it something that's going to be there for everyone? Does everyone have the opportunity to to be a part of this this restorative process? I think that God wants
1: us to be part of it, all of us. He created us, he loves us, and the Bible says if you believe in Jesus, that you can have that that process, you can have that restoration. Jesus lived in Palestine around 2,000 years ago, I believe that, and you know evidence points to the fact that whatever he did there he changed the course of history he changed the mm-hmm. course of men's lives the the people the men and women who followed him his disciples he changed their lives and he overcame death he was resurrected now some people may dispute that but i can't see these men and women who were Killed in horrific ways who were persecuted and yet never recanted their story, never admitted that, Hey, they just made it all up for fun. It seems to be that something significant happened at that point that changed the course of human history. My belief is that Jesus overcame death and he does give the power for us to do the same. And so when Jesus returns, when he comes back, he offers that gift to everyone. He says, just believe in me, believe that I have that power to give you that promise. All the stuff that I've promised you, all you have to do is believe in me and I'll make a way. I will conquer death and destruction and evil and corruption in the world. I will overcome it. That's the promise that he gives
0: us. Is that something that we have to wait for or is it something that's available right now to us or when will that become available? (laughs)
1: That's a great question because I think a lot of people think that Christians are just thinking about the sweet by and by. You know, we, we don't care what happens to this world because we've got that promise of restoration in, in the world to come. That's not how I see it. When Jesus was on earth, he said, the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is near. He kept saying phrases like that to his followers. Basically, we can live out that kingdom here on earth. We can bring restoration, healing, hope to the nations by finding a peace, finding a comfort in in the world around us and bringing that to others. If we live in the assurance that something better is coming, if we live with this optimistic faith in the future, this hope in our lives, then I think people are drawn to that. They want encouragement. They want assurance. They want positivity. And that's not being positive all the time in the face of, you know, difficult things. You know, there's a difference between joy and happiness. You can be joyful, but still be grieving. You can be joyful, but still experiencing things that are are bad, that are happening around you. Grief-worthy events can still... Find You can still find joy in the midst of that because joy is like an attitude that you have. It's a choice. It's not you being externally pushed and into being happy or sad or, or something like that. And so, we can live with that joy. We can live with that peace that passes understanding. We can live with that positive hope for the future right here on earth. Um, Jesus said, I've gone back to my father to prepare a place for you. I'm working things out on a cosmic scale so that you will have that opportunity. And yet, while we're here in the here and now, we're supposed to work towards a better world. We're supposed to bring, as Jesus, I guess, representatives, as his followers on earth, for those of us that are, our mission is to bring that restoration, to bring that peace and that, that love and that joy. To this earth. And if you're not, well, I'd suggest that Jesus is a great place to start looking for some of those things because that's what he offers his followers. He says, this is what you can be while you're on this earth. This world can be made better by your influence. He called it, he used the idea of salt, making your food flavored, making it taste good, or fruit, again, another sweet, metaphor. He says, the world will taste and see that God is good because they'll experience you. You can
0: be the salt. You can be the light. You can be the fruit in the world. Very beautiful imagery there in the Bible, talking about the act of restoration as well as the hope that we have to look forward to. Jared, amazing thoughts that we can take, and you know that offer of peace is on that is on offer for for everybody, and all, the offer of becoming one with God and and being part of the restoration of the world. That beautiful hope that we have to look forward to in amongst our tumultuous world. To be honest, like I would love to hear, you know, Jared and I were just sharing some of our stories and our our thoughts and perceptions of of the year, and the year is just gone. But I'd love to hear from the listener. I'd love to hear from the audience. And if you do have something to share, some thoughts about what your 2021 was like or what you're looking forward to next year, then I would love to hear from you. And maybe we can even share some of those stories in an upcoming podcast if someone would like to have them shared. Our email is info at signsofthetimes.org.au. If that's too long and you don't know how to find that, you can also jump on our website, signs signsofthetimes.org.au slash contact. And we have, you know, a place where you can send a letter if you want, email, or if you even want to give us a call. It would be great to hear from you about what your 2021 has been like, what have been your struggles and triumphs. Uh, we've just shared a few of ours. But Jared, you know, just as the, the, the podcast ends and so does this year or even, you know, if you're listening to this in 2022, how is your 2022 going? Hello in there, on the other side. (laughs) (laughs) I do want to appreciate all the efforts that you've put into Signs of the Times uh, magazine and podcast as well, the few times that you've been on this year. Looking forward to another successful 2022. I just want to wish you, Jared, a happy festive season and a happy end of the year. And I, I hope that as twenty two twenty two comes in, we continue to look forward to the awesome promises that that God has in the Bible of of a time that's better than now but that we can look forward to.
1: Yeah, for sure, Daniel, and thank you for all the hard work that you've put in this year. Um, the podcast is great; I I like it, enjoy listening to it, and the magazine's going well. And and we've been short staffed, as I mentioned, and you've been doing a lot of hard work so i i want to appreciate you and all our listeners and supporters and followers those who read our magazines and subscribe thank you for your support this year as well
0: yeah we we couldn't do all of what we do without you so thank you so much awesome thanks so much jared for for joining us on signs of the times radio today thank you Today's episode was based
1: on an article appearing in this month's Signs of the Times magazine. A subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au in Australia or signsofthetimes.org.nz in New Zealand.